I'm Bruce. And I'm Butta. And this is Rolling, Rolling in the, the Dark. Dark. All right, we made it to our fifth episode. I think we're starting to get the hang of it. A little bit. I feel like it's getting easier as it goes. Yeah. Although my sister does say that I sound scared, so I'm sorry if I sound really scared. You sound scared? <laughs> that's what she was telling me. Okay. That sounds like a sister thing to yeah, say, though. She's, she's just, just trying to get in my head. That's, that's <laughs> Don't let her in. I'm trying. <laughs> she's real strong. So we're recording this. It's just before Halloween, but by the time this comes out, it'll be November. So happy November, everybody. Hope yes. everybody had a very good and spooky Halloween. Yes. Yeah. November is my birthday month. So that's right. Sagittarius queen. Yes. I'm entering my era. Yes, for sure. So thank you to everyone who has been telling me at least about the guns and the marriage laws. Uh, Very well informed now. So thank you, everybody. I did get somebody messaged me about the Amityville horror case and like literally sent me a screenshot Mm -hmm. of what flank is because and they were like what is flank we what said is it was flank? boob uh, it's area not, i don't think it's boob i don't remember what all right it said. well send it to justin because that's our <laughs> that's where you got that's your our info. nurse that's our nurse uh so we watched a scary movie last night oh yeah we did uh we watched as above so below great um, movie great movie it was a good one i'm still like a little confused on certain things but it was okay you uh i had to google what like the meaning of it was because it took me a while to figure it out. <laughs> I do that for every. Yeah. Oh no, I have to because I I'm usually wrong ninety five percent of the time, and then yeah. I miss some part of the movie where it's like a real crucial thing, uh-huh. and then it'll say it, and they're like, "This is why they did that," and I'm right, like, "Okay, well, when this- did that happen? <laughs> I did not see that. What are you talking about?" And then I go back and watch, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, right, 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 right." I know. Well. Apparently, I was like being a grandma and just asking Butta all the questions. <laughs> all the que- Why so did I they open that door? <laughs> What's in there? Why is he in a clock? Okay, well, you know what? <laughs> it's like watching a movie with my grandma. <laughs> well, then I wasn't allowed to ask any more questions, so I was confused. But oh. it's fine. I'll Google it we'll later. Google it later, and I'll explain it to you if you need yeah, me to. For sure. Yeah. I mean, we have like these eclipses going on right now. Oh yes. So we have for right now we have an eclipse tomorrow, Saturday. Oh. So that'll be interesting. Let's... And then we had an eclipse at the beginning of the month. So if any- everybody's life is falling apart, that's, that's why. why. That's why. Don't worry, it's not it's you. It's not you. Don't take personal responsibility. <laughs> it's always it's the, the universe's eclipse. fault. <laughs> right, it's the eclipse. Are you ready to jump in? I am. So I'm. I have no idea what you're doing. You're do, you're very good at keeping secrets. Mm-hmm. Um, she gave me like a little bit of detail, but I could not figure it out. Yeah. But it was very plain details. It's vague. It, it was yes, that's the word I'm looking it for. It was vague. You plain were just details. Like, you were just like boring. murder. Murder. <laughs> you're like murder, isn't it? <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> that narrows it down. Uh, well, actually, murder is possibly in it. Or it might not be murder. Oh, so now you see how much I pay attention. So. <laughs> All righty. Um, but uh, this is a very notorious case. Obviously, for everyone that clicked on the episode, you already know what it is. But you're way ahead of me. You're going to be just like, you're going to be lost in the suspense. I don't know. But it doesn't know what it is. I don't. So, so you I'm going to jump in. And oh, then you're going to make me guess? Okay. I'm not going to make you guess because I'm going to say, obviously... Um, and you'll figure it out pretty quickly. Okay. Give me a couple sentences and you'll be there. We'll see. So first of all, trigger warning for death and child neglect. And of course, for the full detailed list, please check our show notes. You ready? Yes. All right. Hands are sweating. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> so we're in Orlando, Florida, back to Florida. I don't know why I keep picking these Florida cases. I think I already know what this is, but really? Go- yes. Go on. Keep going. All right. All right. So we're in Orlando, Florida, in July 15th, 2008, when police receive a 911 call from a woman. She is obviously very upset. Can I guess? No, just let me do it. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, my hands are sweating because I know what it is now. I think I'm like 98. The caller is obviously very upset and demands that the police come to her house immediately to arrest her 22-year-old daughter for stealing her mom's car for the last month. So the police arrive at the house, and they walk into complete chaos. 
There is a fight happening between the mother and daughter, and they're screaming at each other. The police also soon realize that not only has the car been missing for the last month, but so has the caller's two-year-old granddaughter. So Kaylee Anthony had already been missing for 31 days. It's Casey Anthony. (laughs) This is the story of Casey Anthony, otherwise known as the most hated woman in America. Yes. Still hated today. I can't stop with these, like, lady killers. (laughs) You know what? The problem is we're going to get through all the lady. There's, like, five. (laughs) We're going to get through all (laughs) of them. (laughs) We've already gone through two, three, four. The other 99.9% of murders. Casey Anthony is not technically a killer. She was found not guilty. Right. She's not indicted. Yes. So, So that's the thing with this case. I'm going to do my best to present all of the details and I have my own opinion and everybody is entitled to their own opinion and I would love to hear everyone's opinions. Um, But I'm going to try to give as much detail as possible so that everybody can form their own opinions and think independently, whatever. I'm not trying to sway anybody in one direction or another. This is understandably why I know this is going to be a two parter. Yes, this definitely will be. There's so much freaking information out on this case. There's a lot. There was so much media coverage on it. A ton. It's insane. A ton. Of yeah. Coverage. So we're gonna get uh, we're gonna get into all that good uh, stuff. Okay. So this case obviously was followed by everyone and their mother. Yes. Um, I mean, it's just a whole big ass web of lies, deceit, and confusion that Casey Anthony and the media uh, and the police spun for the whole world from 2008 to 2011. Jeez, it's a long case. It's a long case. So mm-hmm. let's get into it. So. The Anthony family was your typical all-American family. Uh, George Anthony, the patriarch, he was a former cop, now was like a security guard, and Cindy Anthony was a registered nurse. Their only daughter, Casey, was born on March 9th. Oh, she 9th. was an only child? No, she had a brother. Oh, okay. <clears throat> she was the only daughter. Oh, only daughter. Okay. I was like, I thought she had... Oh, yeah. yeah, no, okay. she had an older brother. So uh, the only daughter, Casey, was born on March 9th, 1986. Know what her sign is? Know any other marches? Aries. No. Pisces. Pisces. Oh, I was like, Pisces. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know someone who has a a March birthday, but... um, So, Casey was one of two kids, but Casey was especially close with her parents, mainly her mom. When Casey was growing up, she seemed to be a perfectly normal, well-adjusted kid. She was popular at school and always seemed to have the attention of all the boys in class. Casey, though, had a really bad habit of lying, which became pathological at least as early as high school. Um, When she was graduating high school, she actually lied to her parents up until the day before graduation when they finally heard from her school that she was not graduating and would not be walking with her class. Oh, wow. She lied to her parents literally... (laughs) A day before. (laughs) Until the day before about Dang. right you would think this she must be a good liar man yeah oh yeah to keep that up for so long wait okay so exactly. i have a question about pathological lying yeah. are they like diagnosed yes so you can get diagnosed with pathological lying yes okay i didn't know that i didn't know if it was a thing or it was like you know like a big personality trait that people just made a word for right okay now, I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't know if she was diagnosed with pathological lying. That's yeah. my own personal observation from the amount of lying that she's doing and comfortable yeah. with. And the fact that it's, like, for such huge periods of time. Yes. And the fact that she can keep up with that. Like, I lie, tell one thing, and then it turns and it snows balls into, like, these big old stories. And I'm like, I lose my place. I'm like, uh, yeah. uh, well, no, uh, I'm lying. <laughs> certain, like... People who are pathological, they just keep going with it. And even well, if it doesn't make sense, they still it will also stick too like they tell a lie for so long that they, they start, start to believe it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So a year after this whole graduation fiasco, when Casey was 19, Cindy noticed that Casey was starting to look pregnant. When she asked Casey about it, Casey insisted that not only was she not pregnant, but that she had never had sex. So at 19. Yeah, 19. They even went on a fam or they went to a family reunion when Casey was 7 months along and the family was all congratulating congratulating her on the pregnancy, but both Casey and Cindy were like, "No, she's not pregnant. It's just water weight." Water weight At of seven a baby months. in there. <laughs> and she's like 
she's a skinny girl, so it's pretty obvious when yeah, someone. She would probably look like she's like pregnant as Super hell. pregnant. Yeah. Exactly. So at seven months, I was literally out to China. Like <laughs> my stomach was yeah. so big. Yeah. Now I've heard that like for your first pregnancy, you don't show as much. Oh no, I was sh- literally started showing at like five months. Oh yeah. You could see like everything. And then once I got to like seven to eight months, I was protruding Oof. out. It was Was Scarlett so a big baby? Uh, no, I think she was like an average baby. Okay. I mean, maybe big for my body. I got a C-section. So oh, wow. yeah, Damn. it was, there was no guessing. Yeah. And if you guessed that it wasn't, well, God bless you. But everybody's body's a little different. Yeah. So eventually Casey went to the doctor who confirmed that, yes, she was pregnant and she, you know, was forced to fess up to her mom. And when she finally told her mom, her mom says that she was elated. She hugged Casey, told her that she was going to be a wonderful mom. You know, just really excited for the family to grow. Totally. Uh, And that's according to her mother. That's what her mom said. So the baby's father, however, remained a mystery. Casey, over the years, would say it was a number of different men, including an ex-fiance, as well as a young man she had dated previously that nobody knew who had also died in an accident. So Yeah, I did hear that. Yeah. That was one of the theories, that he died. Right. Well, that's what she said. But it's unconfirmed. No one can find any evidence that there's man existed or that anybody died so she didn't get pregnant by herself so no but on august 9th 2005 when casey was 20 kaylee anthony was born so kaylee was a darling baby oh she was so she was beautiful and smart and everybody described her as being a joy to be around her like laugh and little smile was infectious looking at her picture she is one of the cutest kids I have ever seen. She's so cute. So cute. And everybody instantly adored Kaylee. She was immediately the apple of her grandmother's eye, grandfather's eye. And she had these like really big brown eyes and a really cute smile. Um, Just like a darling baby. So Casey. This case tears me up. I swear to God. I know. So Casey continued living with her parents after Kaylee was born. And the new grandparents became like parental figures to little Kaylee. In fact, when Kaylee was born, Cindy was the first one to hold her, not Casey. So needless to say, Cindy instantly bonded with Kaylee. Casey was described by her friends and family as being a great mom. She was known to be very attentive, very loving. She wouldn't let people smoke or drink around Kaylee. And she really seemed to genuinely care about her well-being. Casey's best friend at the time would even say that Casey absolutely adored Kaylee and Casey's whole life was dedicated to being a good mom for Kaylee. So when Casey's 22 um, and Kaylee is two, in April, she gets a new boyfriend, Tony Lazaro. At first, um, she's bringing Kaylee over to Tony's apartment a few times a week. And even Tony's roommate says how loving she is with uh, Kaylee. Casey herself also has a rule where she doesn't smoke pot, and she seems to be really responsible, especially when Kaylee's around. You know, good mama behaviors. Yes, all the good behaviors. But Tony and his roommate are both DJs, so they're big in the nightlife. They would, they would do these like cringy parties called hot body parties, or they would do a hot body contest. <laughs> so they would Sorry. like <laughs> have <laughs> women like walk along, and then you'd like vote for. Ew. Who was the hottest one Ew. to win, you know, a prize? You know, props to females who were like, yeah, I'm going to go do it. Because, Lord, I would never. I, yeah. It's, yeah. You know what? It was. I'm not that confident in myself. No. I would not go up there and be like, yes, I have the hottest buddy. It was 2008. <laughs> you know, it was an interesting time back then. A lot of uh, cami tops and. Yeah. They're coming know. back. They're making a comeback. They are making a comeback. I mean, this was their first time around, so. <laughs> People were <laughs> abusing, using and abusing them. But Tony, the you know DJ boyfriend, he really loved Kaylee and got along great with her. Um, so there was never any issue as far as like Tony him not wanting the kid not around, wanting the kid around or anything like that. But then suddenly Casey stops bringing Kaylee over, um, and Casey tells her friends that it's because her parents are getting a divorce, and so Casey is staying at Tony's place. For about a month starting in mid-June. Okay. So during that month that Casey's MIA at home, she is out, you know, going with her boyfriend to these hot body contests and to the parties and to places he's DJing at. And she's kind of going out day after day, 
getting a lot of pictures yeah. taken, just having a good old time. At one point, she steals her friend's checkbook and starts making purchases at places like Target, where they obviously have cameras, and you can see her uh, making purchases. So she purchases. stole her friend's checkbook? Yes. Okay. So you can see her at Target making purchases, buying beer, stuff like that. With and checks? There's no Kaylee. Yeah, with checks. That's She's also breaking into her parents' shed to steal gas cans for her car. And George tended to call the police on her when she would do this to, quote, teach her a lesson. They would do a lot of these, like, oh, I'm lesson. teach you a lesson Teaching. for being yeah. whatever. But the reason that he kept liquid gas in his shed was because Casey would run out of gas so often that he just started keeping full gas cans in the shed because he had to bail her out literally Dang, all the time. so irresponsible. Well, she didn't have any money. But still. <laughs> but she would just drive her car until it ran out of gas, call her dad. And be be like, like, come help me. Yeah, come oh fill my, my gas. But while Casey was staying with her boyfriend, her parents, on the other hand, so she was telling her friends and her boyfriend, Kaylee is either with my parents or she's with the nanny. Yeah. Babysitter. And then while Always she was with excuse. her boyfriend, her parents were asking where Kaylee was as well. And she was telling them that Kaylee was with the babysitter either at Disney World, SeaWorld, or Universal Studios, and her babysitter's name was Zanny the Nanny. Very, very interesting typical, name. Typical name. Very <laughs> interesting name. Everybody knows a Zanny. When the first time I heard that, I was just like, Zanny? Zanny the Nanny. Zanny That's the what Nanny. what she went by. So... Meanwhile, people are starting to notice something a little bit unusual about Casey's car because she's still driving it around. At one point, Casey gave a ride to her brother, Lee. And during that time, uh, he noticed that the car, he said, smelled like death. But Casey blamed the smell on two squirrels that crawled up into the engine and had died. That can happen. That can happen. Yeah, my aunt had a like a little PT Cruiser. And every time she would turn on the air conditioning, mm -hmm. like a whiff of just like death would come through her oh, vents. Really? Yeah. And then we found out later that like a mouse crawled up in there and died in there and oh. it's just stuck yeah. there. No, so, it can happen. But very possible. Another time, uh, a different friend also noticed the smell and Casey told her that a squirrel got stuck to the front of her car when she accidentally hit it. So two different but similar stories. Still a squirrel. Still a squirrel. But mm -hmm. so at one point it's on the front yeah. of her car and then it's inside of And I don't think if it, was be, if it was in the front of your car that the smell would come and be all up in your car. I don't know. You how, know? Right. I, I've hit things before and like I don't think my car has ever smelled like death. Well, no one's ever told me it has. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, I feel like crawling up in the air vents, that makes sense because when yeah. you push out the air. Right. The all the smell comes happen. out like sometimes you can have For like sure. the smell of like the outside come mm -hmm. into your car but from the front i don't yeah i, don't I mean know. who knows if yeah. she hit it maybe it it got into the car it got into the vent in yeah. the front of the car oh, i don't no. i don't know but casey drove her car of course until the gas ran out and this time she abandoned it in front of a check cashing place eventually the car was towed on june 30th and two weeks later the the anthony's george and cindy were alerted that their car was impounded, and so they went to pick it up, pissed off. They're like, yeah, oh, I'd be pissed Casey, too. again, she let the car run out of gas, she didn't tell us, now it's impounded, we're going to have to go fucking pay for this impound Oh, do you know how much impounding costs? Sure do. Oh my gosh, they tried to charge us like $400 for Justin's car, and it was burned mm -hmm. up, like we were like, we can't come and get it. Right. It's just going to sit there, and they're like, well, every day it sits here, it's another like $198. Yeah. Oh my god! No, it's not cheap. So they, yeah. of course, they get the call and they're they're like, we haven't even heard from this girl. We don't know what's going on with her. And now the car's like, you know, at an impound lot. And mind you, this was weeks after her brother and friend both noticed the death smell. Yeah. So George picked up the car and he had to pay nearly $500 to this tow company. Uh, once he opened the car door, he noticed the smell immediately. Yeah. And he had been a cop. So he was like, He yeah, knows the smell. It smells like death. Yeah. He took the car home. He was furious. And so he called Casey and demanded that she come home and explain herself. And surprisingly, Casey did. She did ah. it as her father said. She came back home. So now we're back to the scene I left you out a couple minutes ago where the cops are there. Yes. And it's chaos. Mother-daughter fighting. So yeah. this is the first time Cindy has seen Casey in weeks. Cindy called the police on her daughter to report that Casey had stolen their car when they first got the, the call from the impound lot. And then 
So police were responding to that call and walked in to Cindy and George fighting with Casey. But they're not fighting about the car. They're fighting about where Kaylee is. So Casey had revealed to them that she hadn't seen Kaylee since June 16th, which was also the day that Casey started living with her boyfriend. Oh, yeah, because she moved in with her boyfriend. Exactly. So this is July 15th, and she's saying she hasn't seen Kaylee since June 16th, and her parents are just finding out. So the police decide to go ahead and separate the family and talk to them all individually. They're like, what the hell? How does this even happen? How can a mother you not know, not know where their kid, kid is, is for yeah. a month? Um, so they call, the, uh, they call in the on-call missing persons detective, Corporal Melich. Casey tells Detective Melich that she dropped off her daughter at the babysitter's a month ago and that the babysitter refused to return her to Casey. She says that on June 16th, she got up, got ready to go to work. She brought Kaylee to her babysitter's house like she always does. And then she headed into work at Universal Studios. She worked her full day. And then when she went back to pick up Kaylee, the babysitter wasn't home. And she hasn't heard from the babysitter since. So the police obviously are shocked. Well, yeah, I would be shocked. Like your kid, you come home. Your kid is not where your kid is supposed to be. Yeah. How do you just go home and right, carry like- about it for however long she did? Like, that's insane. Like, I come home sometimes. And I don't know where Scarlett is. And I'm like, oh my God. I was like, who has her? I don't even know who has her. I'm going to call. And I, like, I'm like frantically calling everybody. And then yeah. my husband's like, oh no, she's with the grandma. And I'm like, okay. Right. Thank exactly. God. Like, and that's the only like literally 20 minutes when I walk in from, my, from work. I'm like, exactly. where's my kid? But like 30 days. And the fact that that's she, insane. she didn't tell her parents for 30 days. She never called the police in 30 days. Yeah, that's insane. Um... And when you find out what she was happening over the 30 days, it's sort of like, like with the fact that she was with her boyfriend and going to parties and going to hot body contests yeah. while her daughter is missing. This whole time being this whole time. taken hostage by the nanny. Right. And you're I mean, like, and she's like, whatever. Yeah, it's fine. So that's, you know, these are all things that sort of, very, kind of paint a picture yeah. of like, why it's are very you questionable. like that? Very questionable. For sure. So this little girl has been missing for a month and they're about... And the police are left to piece together what's happened over the last 30 days. So naturally, Detective Melich starts pushing for more details. So Casey tells Detective Melich that she worked as an event planner for Universal Studios for the last two years. She said the babysitter's name was Zaneda Gonzalez, who goes by the nickname Zanny the Nanny. Casey said that when she went to pick Kaylee up from Zaneda, nobody was home. So she waited around for a while, but they never returned home. She said she then went to places that she knew the babysitter would take Kaylee um, to see if she could find them. Casey said that she had been trying to call the babysitter's phone for the last month, but the number was now out of service. So she was basically like, eh, I don't know. Kaylee's just gone. Babysitter's got her. You just call the police. So Casey explained that she didn't want to go home because she knew her parents would question her about where Kaylee was. Um, so that's why she spent those 30 days at her boyfriend's house. And she said she didn't call the police because she was afraid that if she called the police, then the babysitter would harm Kaylee. Okay. Right. Because somehow... Because now you care about what the babysitter is doing to your child. <laughs> right. Like, it doesn't make the, sense. And how would she know unless yeah. the police well, showed the up to... the fact that she was scared for save her... Save Kaylee? Like, no. she was scared that her parents were going to be upset. Right. And be like, where's Kaylee? It's more important to her that her parents aren't upset than it is to make sure her daughter is safe. Yes, that is. Oh, my God. That's what she says. Yeah. So Casey describes what the babysitter looks like. She says she's half black, half Puerto Rican, about 25 years old. She tells them that Zanny the nanny has been her regular babysitter since Kaylee was a baby. So it's for like a year and a half, almost two years that Zanny has been her babysitter. Detective, Question, yeah. did the parents ever, they've never met the nanny, correct? Correct. Okay. But the parents also believed that this was Kaylee's regular babysitter, Zanny. Yeah. She always went to go see Zanny. At, um, you know, they, they fully bought into everything Casey was saying. Yeah. So Detective Melich requests that Casey takes them to the babysitter's apartment, of course. And when they arrive, Casey points them to an apartment and says she lives there. So the detective, of course, he walks up, knocks on the door. 
he notices right away there's no furniture in this apartment and it looks completely vacant. Detectives search through the night with Casey and they search with her until the morning, but they find nothing. The police are well aware that missing children's cases don't usually do well after about 48 hours. It's been a month. So they decide to bring in the media for help in finding Kaylee. They didn't even have the 48 hours because the 48 hours she was just doing her thing. She was doing her thing. She was doing her thing. She was doing hot body counts. where her child was. Well, it's insane to me. Yeah. So this became a national story overnight. As soon as they got the media involved, it exploded. Uh, America clung to the story of a two-year-old going missing in the town of Disneyland and Universal Studios and this pretty young mom who trusted someone who was really close to her and, you know, had she had known for years at this point. Yeah. So the police... Now go ahead and they talk to the apartment manager because they want to get some information on this babysitter. But they're surprised to learn that that particular apartment had been, had been vacant for months. The manager also let detectives know that there had never been a Zaneda Gonzalez renting in their building. So the police then head to Universal Studios to confirm the hours that Casey had worked on the day that Kaylee went missing. They're trying to put this case yeah. together, make, make, make it make sense. The detective finds a supervisor and is shocked to find that Casey hasn't worked at Universal for more than two years. So literally none of this is making any sense, and the police want to know what's going on. So the investigators now know everything that Casey has told them has been a lie. Detective Melich and another investigator, Sergeant Allen, decide they are going to set a trap for Casey. So this is where it happens. Okay. They pick Casey up, they take her to Universal Studios, and they bring her to the employee entrance because she has worked there for the past two years. No problem. So when they get to the employee entrance, Casey walks up to the security guard and tries to convince the security guard that she does work there and they need to let her in. She says, you know, my name should be on the list. Uh, I've been working here for two years as an event planner. Uh, Let me in. Why are you acting weird? Why are you acting weird, security guard? This is normal. Wink, wink, wink. Let me wink, 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 wink. She gives the name of her supervisor, his extension, and she's told that those names are not in the system. Her name's not in the system, and her supposed supervisor's name is also not in the system. Surprise, surprise. So the officers are watching all these lies spiral. They know she doesn't work there, but they're watching her lie and lie and lie. But eventually... A supervisor steps in, intervenes, and he lets Casey enter the building for whatever reason. Maybe it's just because she was accompanied by police. Right, maybe. Um, So Casey, the detectives say as she's walking in, Casey is waving at people that she's walking by like, oh, hey. And they're sort of like waving back like, oh, okay. And she's leading the detectives through the building, and eventually she turns them down a dead-end hall to nowhere. She doesn't know where she's going. And at this point, she turns around to the detectives and just says, I don't really work here. Boom. Just like that. Jeez. Yeah. I could just imagine sitting there in the office while this girl's walking down and waving to everybody. And everybody's probably looking at each other like, Like, who is this? Do I know you? Who is this? Okay. All right. Right. I mean, we've all been there. Maybe a celebrity we've never heard of. She's got (laughs) two police officers with her. She's about to be. Not sure. Yeah. So the detectives let her know that They knew that she doesn't work there, and now it's time to have a very different conversation. So they confront Casey in the fact that she didn't work for Universal, that no one had lived in that apartment since March, and they also let her know that they pulled security footage from the apartment building, and Casey hadn't been there that whole day that Kaylee went missing. So, bing, bang, boom, everything's a lie. What the fuck? Now they're Um, looking at the case very differently now. Exactly. And also... It's worth noting, Casey's parents fully thought that she worked for Universal Studios for the last two years. She would literally get up, get dressed, and leave for work, and she would even draft fake work emails that she would respond to at home and be complain like, oh my god, work is so busy well, and so crazy. She really thought this through. She really thought it through. She really concocted a whole you know, story for herself. Do you to- think she just didn't like want to tell the parents that she... I think she just wanted to be seen as someone with an impressive job that yeah. she didn't need a high school degree. Oh yeah, to I get. forgot she didn't graduate. 
I forgot. Didn't graduate. She wanted to seem like Miss Independent. You know, I'm just living with my parents because I have this little kid and, yeah. you know, I can fend for myself. I'm so successful. Whatever. I don't know why. Yeah. Honestly, that's my best guess. So Casey tells the cops she's terrified that her mom will be so mad at her and never forgive her. And she'll never forgive herself because there's a chance she might never see Kaylee again. And Casey, this whole time, seems completely aloof to the whole situation. She had very little concern for finding Kaylee this whole time. She's very focused on just what, sitting, she like, doing. she's yeah. backing up her lies. She's, yeah. uh, well, I did work at Universal, yada, whatever. Yeah. You know, it's an eight against all. This is real. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. This and that. It's very little of, like... Have do you have you found her? Have yeah. you found anything? Like, is it's there any excuses, evidence? Excuses, 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 and lies. Um, so the police thought that she's saying this because maybe Casey knew that Kaylee was safe somewhere. Maybe that's why she's not concerned because she knew Kaylee was somewhere. She's safe and she doesn't have to worry about her. Um, and they knew that Cindy and Casey obviously had a volatile relationship. They literally walked in on them fighting. Yeah. Um, so she thought maybe Casey or they thought maybe Casey didn't want Cindy around Kaylee. But Casey insisted that that was not the case, and Zaneda was the last person that Kaylee was seen with. The police confront Casey with all of her lies, and they straight up ask her if Kaylee um, died by accident. But she insists that, nope, the babysitter kidnapped Kaylee, and Casey had no idea where she was. So at this point, the officers arrest Casey for child neglect. They hoped that, you know, maybe this would make reality set in and Casey would cave and just confess where Kaylee was. Yeah. So now she's in jail. And the first call that she makes to her family while she's in jail was to yell at her mother. She was yelling at Cindy because Cindy told the press that she didn't know Casey's involvement. Basically, Cindy went on air and was like, I don't know how Casey's involved. I just really want Kaylee back. And yeah. Casey was pissed to hear that. She was like, what do you mean you don't know my involvement? Tell everybody I'm innocent. Yeah. Not, have you heard anything? Have you heard anything about Kaylee? Is there, is, could she be anywhere? This yeah, is she my was baby. She's concerned she's about her image. She's two years old. Yeah. All she cared about was her own image. So when her mom asked her why she wasn't being emotional at all, why she didn't seem upset about any of this, Casey really angrily responded and said, I need to stay composed to talk to detectives. I can't cry every two seconds like I want to. So Casey clearly at this point only had concern for one person. Yeah, Casey. Herself. Yeah. Never did she seem upset that Kaylee was missing, and which is an interesting contrast between what you see of this time of Cindy and George, who are really clearly distressed They're and frantically distressed. Yeah. searching for their little granddaughter. Like, they look like, when you look at the videos and stuff, they look like they're the only people who are concerned. Well, yeah, especially compared to Casey. Yeah. When you see, it's like, oh, these are people that really love and, and want to know where their them. little yeah. kid is. So Cindy went on TV, and she said, she was literally sobbing in an interview. She said, I will walk every inch of this earth, and I will knock on every door, and I will look in every nook and cranny until I find her. And you see George and Clips handing out free t-shirts. He's you know, that just say, like, help find Kaylee or yeah. Kaylee missing, whatever. And just, like, sincerely thanking everyone. Like, please wear this. Thank you for wearing this. Thank you for looking for Kaylee. Like, they both seem really genuinely concerned, concerned. and want, to be, want her to be found. Exactly. Yeah. So while Casey was in jail, she was also press pressuring her family to give them her boyfriend's phone number. So, of course, police are listening to these conversations. So this tipped them off to go find Tony. And when they found him, uh, he was surprised um, because this was the first he had heard of Kaylee being missing. She, Casey had been living with him for a month, and she never mentioned that Kaylee was gone. So where did he think the kid was? He thought that um, was with... she was with the parents and was with the babysitter. Oh, my gosh. Because that's what Casey was saying. Did he know that she was, like, in jail already? Or did he not know? I think the... I don't know, actually. I think she hadn't got a hold of him yet. So he so had the, no idea. As soon as they heard it, I don't think that her friends and family had the boyfriend's phone number. So the police were like, whatever, we'll find him. Yeah. So I think the police were the ones that told him, yeah, like, Kaylee's hey, missing and yeah. has been missing for a month. And now Casey's in jail. So. Right. Yeah. And also, when I first heard this, I was like, wait a minute, it's 2008. Like, I knew everybody's phone numbers back then. You, you know, I know my parents, I knew my friends, whatever. 
But you got to remember, Casey had only started dating Tony in April, which was three months oh. before she got arrested. I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought they were together a lot longer. Three months. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they started dating in April. Kaylee went missing in June. Okay. Yeah. So in the beginning of their relationship, Casey, like I had said, would bring Kaylee over a few times a week. But eventually stop bringing Casey over, or stop bringing Kaylee. Sorry, there's a lot of C names in this. Yeah. Cindy, Casey, Kaylee. Yeah. So bear with me. Something police later realized while they were reviewing their case file was that Cindy hadn't called the police just once, but three times. Cindy first called the police about the car missing okay. when she was pissed that, you know, she found out the car was impounded. Yeah. But Cindy had called the police two more times while they were on their way to respond to the stolen car. In the second phone call, she said that eventually it came out that her granddaughter was missing and she was, and Casey had finally admitted it. And then in the third phone call, she said, I found my daughter's car and it smells like there's been a dead body in the damn car. Yep. Mm -hmm. So the police, after they reviewed this, they went ahead and confiscated the 1998 Pontiac Sunfire. This was a family car that Casey pretty much only used. This was basically her car, yeah. but it was under her parents' name. When they started their search, they immediately smelled decomposition. There was no doubt that a dead body had been in that car. Police recognize the smell right away. You know, I'm sure they've smelled it enough times. In yeah, their and I've work. heard that it's a smell like you don't ever forget. And like, that you don't get mistaken yeah. for something else. So police, of course, they bring a cadaver dog named Garrus to the car. This dog had done thousands of searches. He's a very good boy. Good, good boy. Good boy, working hard. Uh, he immediately alerted on the trunk of the vehicle. So forensic experts searched the trunk, which was clearly just vacuumed out. But they saw a stained area on the carpet, which was the approximate size of a toddler's body. They take a sample of the carpet, as well as several human hairs, which they send out for testing. Police bring in George and Cindy, Casey's parents, to question them about the car. Cindy explains that she first called 911 because when they picked up the car was when they noticed the smell, and so she reported it on the, th the uh, third 911 call. Cindy was now telling police that when they picked up the car from the impound lot, it's, it didn't smell like death. It, it smelled like garbage. That's all. It just, it not. That's what the parents said? That's not what Cindy was saying. So she's going back on it. But they have her on a phone call literally saying it smells like a dead body in this car. She's saying she was confused. It just, you know, they found a bag of garbage in the trunk. So that must have been the source of the smell. She said, you know what? They found really old pizza. So it was just old pizza that was in a pizza box. Okay. So, you know, same. Because that smell. smells the same as a dead body. Right. Yeah. So... George, Casey's father, and he was a former cop, he was really shaken up. Um, he was familiar with the decomp smell, and he probably had a much clearer idea that this meant very bad things for Kaylee and also for Casey. Yeah. So Cindy and George visited Casey all the time while she was in jail. They're being super supportive, totally on her side. Um, and these videos or these visits are all video recorded. And her parents would go and tell her how sorry they were for her being in jail and that they just wanted to give her hugs and take all her pain away. One day, Cindy told Casey that they weren't doing too well because they were deeply upset Kaylee was still missing and yeah. nothing had come up. So Cindy told Casey, we heard that Kaylee was dead. And without literally any reaction other than pure like annoyance, Casey responded with, surprise, surprise. She said, surprise, surprise. Yes. And there's video of her of it. She literally rolls her eyes and says, surprise, surprise. About her daughter possibly, Be possibly being, being dead. dead. Oh, my God. Hit her right in the face. I would hit her right in the face. <laughs> so when Cindy told her, they, they just need something to go on. You know, Casey's not budging on any information. She's not telling anybody anything. Cindy's like, please just give me something. Casey responded with, I've been here a month already. Can you imagine how I feel? And then she would say, my entire life has been taking, taken from me. Everything has been taken from me. Oh, boo-hoo. Her daughter. Poor you. Your daughter has been missing for over what? A couple months now? Yeah. Yeah. Boo-hoo. Oh, you're sitting in jail. Where, where's Kaylee? 
Exactly. Like, no. No, literally all she cared about, when her mom is, like, begging her for information about Kaylee, Casey's like, why don't you feel bad for me? Yeah. I'm in jail. My whole life has been it's taken the, from me. It's the victim complex. I'm... Well, and just pure <sighs> narcissism. Yes. Pure, unadulterated narcissism. She's like, yeah, look... Yeah, yeah, Kaylee's gone. But look at me. Look, look at I'm, look at me. I'm stressing. I'm I'm being tortured too. Like <laughs> they don't let me wear any cami tops in yeah. here at all. <laughs> no hot body contests. No one's telling me how hot my body is. Oh my gosh. So Cindy in these in, in in these video recordings, Cindy at one point, she's kind of smart. So to get some because she knows Casey's not saying anything. So she well, says it's also her mother, so she knows her pretty well, I'm sure. Oh, uh, totally. Yeah. She knows how to talk to her. So Cindy asks Casey, she says, Well, what does your gut tell you? What does your gut tell you happened to Kaylee? Yeah. Not, what do you know that happened? What does your yeah. gut what do you think happened to Kaylee? So Casey tells them, she says, that she's okay. She's not far. I know in my heart she's not far. I can feel it. She would later be correct about that. Yeah, very correct. Except not okay. Yeah. So police continue looking for the babysitter that she's claimed, that Casey claimed kidnapped Kaylee, and they finally find a Zaneda Gonzalez. So at the time that they found her, the investigation had been stalled. So this was really a crucial moment. Yeah. They found... They found, they found the nanny. They found Zanny. Zanny has been found. She's been found. They noticed right away that Zanny was not around 25. She was a middle-aged woman. Okay, I was just about to ask you, was she around the age of what she said? So no. Now. So Zaneda was a middle-aged woman, not a young woman, like Casey had said, which would be a little weird to get mixed up. Yeah. Not unless she looked really good. I mean, she looked like a middle-aged woman. Oh, okay. I was going to go, she, girl, pass she, that skin routine. No, she looked, I mean, she looked good, but yeah. you could tell, like, okay, she's probably 50s, 60s, yeah. whatever. Zaneda said that, no, she did not babysit Kaylee Anthony. In fact, she didn't babysit at all. She also had never met Kaylee or Casey Anthony. Question, did she live in the area or? She lived in Orlando. Okay. But Orlando's a pretty big city, no? It is. Okay. Yeah. And apparently uh, I heard that there were like 20 Zaneda Gonzalez's in all oh. of the U.S. And it just so happened one was in that the... one was in Orlando. Wow. So investigators are quickly able to verify that Zaneda was telling the truth. And it is now 100% certain that Casey completely made up everything that she told them and her friends about Zanny the nanny. Hmm. So, yeah, she had told her friends, her family, her boyfriend that this is Kaylee's babysitter. Yeah, this is her nanny. It wasn't just yeah. the police. She told everybody in yeah. her life that it was, this girl was for real. So at this point, Casey knows she needs a good lawyer. Yeah. She's fucked. And everything is crashing down. Yep. So she starts talking to an inmate and she learns about Jose Baez. Yeah. Does his name ring a bell? Yeah. Oh, Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So Jose Baez would later be a defense attorney for Aaron Hernandez. Yeah. Mark. Which I will be covering at some point. Cool. It's a good case. It's interesting. Mark Nordlicht, who was like I don't a, know who that is. He was like an, a big time investor uh, Ponzi scheme guy. Oh. And Harvey Weinstein. But anyway, Jose Baez yeah. defended him. Yeah. At the time he took Casey on... He was a relatively unknown defense attorney. Yeah. He Wasn't hadn't... this the case that, like, put him on the map? Mm -hmm. Like, where everybody mm -hmm. was like, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. When he took this on, he hadn't done any national newsworthy cases, but he had been successful in some less notorious criminal defense cases. But, yeah, this Casey Anthony case put him on the map. Yeah. So he, he stepped in. He became her defense attorney. Right away, he cut off Casey's communication with investigators so from that point forward, she's quiet. She's yeah. not talking to them. So Which is smart. You shouldn't. Regardless I mean, if you're innocent or not. You hundred percent. You know, you gotta That's my, you gotta protect yourself. That's what I tell everybody. Yeah. You get arrested, lawyer up. Please Don't say fifth, anything. Say nothing. Lawyer up. There's a lot yeah. of cases. Obviously it looks makes you look really sketchy, but on the other hand, there's so many cases where they will take your words and twist yeah. it and uh, you know, it's, so it's just, it's the best thing to defend yourself. Well, like get the a lawyer. Memphis three case. Have you, have, you've heard about that? Well, yeah. Well, everybody's heard about that case, but exactly. They didn't lawyer up and look at what happened to them. But yeah, no, I mean, there's so many instances where like kids especially are brought into these interrogations and like 
away from their parents, away yeah. from adults, and police are saying, this is what happened. Yeah. You just need to verify it. We already know. Your yep, friend already know. told yep. you. Mm-hmm. They already said exactly they what happened. They in there, you know? Well, and they're allowed to. Yeah. So George and Cindy, Anthony, are still dead set on finding Kaylee. That is their whole world right now, is yeah. finding Kaylee. They make t-shirts. They organize searches. They were putting up wanted posters everywhere. They called a company that specialized in finding missing people. And on one particular search, they gathered 4,200 people to search a large swamp and woodlands area by the airport, the Orlando airport. They brought in four-wheelers, dogs, even divers, because it was a swampy area. And they searched for four weeks and found nothing. So due to the very open public record laws in Florida... People were able to see police interviews, jailhouse communication, 911 calls almost right away. Oh. So as police are gathering evidence, they have to make it public. Yeah. It's just the law in That's Florida. That's just how it is. It's, okay. I think it's called like the sunshine law. Oh, okay. Which sounds like... It's not very sunshiny of them. <laughs> well, it's sort of like we're going to... Everybody's going to be in the light. on yeah. everything. Yeah. Right. We're not Everybody's going to know everything. Right. Yeah. Which is, you know, I'm sure good for certain things. In some ways. In some regard. Yeah. So anyway, people are seeing what's happening with Casey. In like real time. In real time. When she's talking to her parents, what the police are finding with the car, all the evidence. And people are outraged, pissed about what's going on with Casey Anthony. Everyone's forming their opinions. Forming opinions. Yes. Uh, Eventually, Casey gets out of jail for child neglect charges. And literally, the world is pissed. Oh, yeah. Furious rioting people are at their house day and night pounding on their door demanding to know where kaylee is uh they've got signs saying like that the anthony's are harboring a baby killer um there's this one lady who's out there with her dog with a sign that says i wouldn't let my dog go missing for 30 days seriously literally my dog went missing for one day we were oh, like yeah. beside ourselves. You guys were distraught. Oh my God. It was every, and we put all over social media. We were on Craigslist. We were on fucking next door. Yes. Literally like walking the streets. All Everybody over the place. on our derby team was like posting pictures yeah. of your dog. And she'd like, been gone for yeah. like two hours at that point. Yeah. And it was literally nerve wracking. I cannot imagine a whole ass baby being gone. Being gone for that long. No. Ugh. No. No. So. Uh-uh. This is, it was an absolute spectacle. Yeah. Um, There are videos of George fighting with these protesters, yelling back at them, threatening to report them. Obviously, the whole family was getting terrorized day and night, and there was no getting away from the media um, at this point. Yeah. The media around this case and the case's popularity really actually helped spark a lot of interest uh, in true crime to the general public. Yeah. This was one of those cases. Yeah. Definitely um, one of the cases I, when I found out about it, I definitely looked and dived deep into. It's like, yeah. it's a case almost like, it's just very baffling. Yes. The fact that a mom would let her kid be missing for so long. Yeah. And then the way that they find out that the kid is missing, it's just insane. And then you find out all these other right. things about the case and you're just like, oh my God, no. how? It's fascinating. Yeah. And it popularized true crime and was one of those really notable stories. Yeah. And people will often compare it to, like, the O.J. case yeah. and the Michael Jackson case. But the main difference is that Casey Anthony wasn't a celebrity. No. You know, this didn't involve any celebrities, which is what really makes it especially noteworthy. Yeah. So police, meanwhile, are trying to build their murder case. They finally have the results from the trunk, which confirmed there had been a dead body in the trunk of the car. So Casey was indicted right away. But the police were going to have an uphill battle proving a murder without a body. Yeah. But then a few months later, on December 11th, 2008, a utility worker would make a stop along a wooded area when he came upon a human skull. It was found about 20 feet off the road with a lot of plants and brush. So he, he went off to like pee, basically. Yeah. He parked up, went to go pee. And he saw, he didn't, wasn't sure what it was at first. And so he like grabbed a stick and kind of poked it yeah. and like picked it up by its eye socket and then dropped it, ran away. It was like, oh shit, this is a would human you, skull. Would you know if it, like, if it was you, would you know if it was like a real human skull? I mean, I feel like. I feel like I would not know. No, I mean, I, it depends on how it's positioned, I how much it's be buried. like, that's a mannequin. If it's like literally a skull, like sitting there, you know, like 
perfectly placed, whatever, I'd be like, that's a skull. But if yeah. it's like, you know, it's just the head showing, maybe it's buried, whatever. It's I wonder there. what like inclined him to like st- stick a, uh, a stick in it and like pick it up. I think he was just curious. Yeah. You know, he was alone and was just like, is this what I think it is? That would be more of a reason for me not to touch anything. I'd be like, Ugh, I'm going to go. I know. I'm you go know what? Like, he shouldn't out. have. No. And if anybody happens to even think that you've stumbled upon some bones or whatever, don't touch. Yeah. Okay, no touchy. Not touchy. No touchy. Because no. this would come back later and not in a good way, unfortunately. Oh, really? Okay. Because he contaminated the fucking scene. Yeah. So he called the police and police responded right away and called in forensic anthropologists to examine the remains. So they found two torn open black trash bags, which were also mixed with a large canvas bag. There were bones in the bags and bones mixed into the plants. So it was quickly determined that animals had probably, you know, got to it, got to it. Um, But they also realized pretty quickly that these were the remains of a small child. The skeletal remains had been scattered, most likely by animals, like I said. Um, But the bones were totally dry. They had no soft tissue left on them whatsoever, Um, which meant they had probably been there for quite a while. Yeah. And keep in mind, this is Florida. It's And it's like a swampy area. It's Florida. Hello. It gets hot. It gets cold. Whatever. Um, It gets super wet, you Mm -hmm. know, with like hurricanes and stuff. But they also found a baby blanket that had a Winnie the Pooh pattern on it. Now, when the investigators examined the bones, they didn't find any marks or signs of cuts, breaks, crushing, etc. Yeah. But when they examined her skull, they noticed that there was gray duct tape still stuck over her jaw. In fact, the skull and the mandible were together in one unit, which is extremely bizarre. Once there's no soft tissue, there's nothing keeping the That's jaw bone attached the to is the, bottom. Is the jaw. Yeah, is the bottom jaw. Yeah. Bottom jaw. Once your muscle tissue, cartilage, everything is gone, just... there's nothing keeping them together. Yeah. But the duct tape was holding them together. Dang. So that means she had the duct tape from like ear to ear. Almost. Most likely. Yeah. yeah. Um, the only reason... Oh, yeah. I was held in was the duct tape. Helicopters... Uh, duct tape. <laughs> helicopters and news trucks came in almost immediately, assuming that these were the remains of Kaylee Anthony. Yeah. So when George and Cindy heard about it, they were crushed. Yeah. The place where the bones were found, not even a quarter mile away from the Anthony home, down the street. Jeez. It was literally, like, in these, like, suburban areas, that'll be, like, houses, house, 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 and then, like, a little grassy area. Yeah. You know, it's pretty common. It was one of those. It was the closest one to their house. Besides their own backyard, this was the most obvious place for one of the Anthonys to drop a body. Yeah. So, on December 19th, a press conference was held, and the police confirmed that these are the remains of Kaylee Anthony, and the manner of death was ruled a homicide. They came to this determination based on the circumstances of her body and how it was found in bags, away from view, with duct tape on the face. Yeah. So now, police secure a warrant for the Anthony residence. Only now. Which I'm like... I just I think it's because they didn't have a whole lot of evidence pointing to their case. I know already they... indicted her yeah. when they found the car, so you would think they would search everything at that point. Yeah, you would think. I don't know. Sometimes the way the police work is very questionable. Well, it's sort of like why didn't you? Okay. Why? Yeah. yeah. Like you know, arm like little armchair detectives are like. Right. I know. Ow. Here we are. We can you know? sit here with our coffees and be like, "Why didn't they yeah. search the house I right away?" That. I would have done it. <laughs> yeah. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I, I get it, but you know, you would think that. Who knows if there was some like laws in between or something? Maybe, maybe it was really hard to get search warrants. Yeah. I don't know if something was holding them back. Yeah. But only now were they able to get a search warrant, or did they get a search warrant for the Anthony home? Um, so when they searched the house, they discovered that Kaylee's room was Winnie the Pooh themed. So it was really obvious that the blanket came straight from there. Yeah. The canvas bag turned out to be a laundry bag. And they, when they like searched about this laundry bag, it came in pairs. So when you buy it, it came in like a case of two. Yeah. And they found the identical missing, the, the identical partner to this bag mm. in the Casey Anthony house. The Canthony. The Canthony. <laughs> <laughs> so... 
the police still had to report every piece of evidence that they were finding, sending it out, you know. Yeah. Of course, the media picked it right up. The media was going wild after the body was now found. In the court of public opinion, it was blatantly obvious that Casey Anthony was seen as guilty. Yeah. Everybody believed it. No, she was guilty the minute she did not report her daughter missing within that first hour to me. Right. 110% guilty. Why would you keep that for so long? That... I mean, that alone, but it's circumstantial. I mean, again, like we can't um, know how somebody's going to act or like, I don't even know how I would act if my kid was missing and stuff. I understand that. But for 30 days, I haven't seen my kid. And apparently she's with some nanny when obviously Casey knew that she was a lie Mm -hmm. and everybody else did, but Casey knew. So she knew, you know, (laughs) well, and we're going to get into what you know her defense says later on yeah because they try to explain everything you know they're trying to be like oh no this is why this happened and this is why she acted like that but it's i don't know it's really hard especially at this time when it was coming out and it was like the media was literally like waiting for any little piece because they knew everybody wanted to know every detail it was about this case really hard to believe her yeah. It's really hard to believe going through with, the case over and over and with over. With all the evidence, with yeah. everything that she everything was saying. Towards, towards her being guilty. Poor towards her. Poor towards her. So It's just, yeah. Yeah. I, ugh, this case frustrates me so much. Yes. It so is much. interesting. To say the least. It's frustrating. So, and as it was coming out, Everybody's wants to know the newest detail that's yeah. coming out, the newest piece of evidence that police have found because they're totally in it. They all yeah. care about Kaylee, and now they know that she is dead. Yes. They know about her, the situation in which she was found. So the defense decided that they were going to go for capital murder, and they were going to ask for the death penalty. Okay. So they this meant that they had to prove with beyond a shadow of a doubt that Casey Anthony intended to murder her daughter. And so some say right away, the defense made a huge mistake trying to go for the death penalty because you, it is limited evidence. They don't have the smoking gun and it's incredibly hard to prove first degree murder beyond a doubt. Yeah. But the defense has gathered all their evidence and they're now ready to take Casey to court and make their case. So, that's going to be where we stop for right now. Um, right. We're going to be covering the trial and the aftermath in part two, um, which we're going to release in, I don't know. A couple days. A couple after days this mo- one at most. Released. Yeah. yeah. I just need a little time to do my magic. Well, I didn't sound as mystical as yours. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I tried. Um, but there's, there's just like so much to this story. And I feel like there's still so much more. Yes. And sometimes trials can be kind of boring, but I'm sure you guys already know that this trial is going to be a wild ride. Yes. So I'm sorry to leave y'all hanging, but we we'll will be back soon. We'll see you in a few days. Yeah. Give us a follow on Instagram at Rolling in the Dark Pod, or write to us at Rolling in the Dark Pod at gmail.com. If you have any case suggestions, or if you just want to say hi, Shoot us a note. Yeah, we'll we'll say hi back. We're very friendly. We're friendly. We're very friendly. We're people. mostly pretty friendly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd really love to hear from you guys, and our sources for this story are in the show notes. Yay! If you'd like to give back, I recommend that you donate to the Children's Advocacy Centers. These are nationwide child-friendly centers which help local communities respond to allegations of child abuse in ways that are effective and efficient, and put the child's experience first. Instead of a child having to relive and explain their trauma again and again to the police, child welfare, doctors, and lawyers, children talk to a single CAC social worker who represents them going forward. You can donate online. All you need to do is search for Children's Advocacy Center near me, head to their website, and donate. So it seems to me that they did not use enough dogs or psychics in this case. They should have employed a whole team of dog detectives and psychics. And I think this case would have been open and shut. What do you think, Butta? Agreed to all of it. Thank you for listening. We're rolling out. We're rolling out. We're rolling out.